Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, and with me all the way across the pond is the gold stand in ghost hunting, Steve Parsons. Good afternoon. It is, isn't it? It is. Well, it's always good when it's the afternoon. Oh, my God. Looks like the ghost hunters just showed up. What? Yeah, a Ruta Ruta band just pulled up in front of my house. Oh, crap. The Rooty Toot Boys. <laughs> it, it's interesting. They have their own shows now, and they're actually on it's opposite. It's, like, it's not interesting. It's just a, it's just a, a grab for money. No, no. Yeah, yeah. They just people, gr- people want to see them, and and yeah, I'd like to see them as well. Like go off the air, but there you go. That's not going to happen in the next week, is it? Shame, shame, shame. Shame, 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 shame. One more week to go, and I'll have already set off. How about that, then? Yes, you will. Yes, I will. God help America. Mm-mm. You're coming. Anyway. Yeah, so uh, is Dylan traveling with you? He is. Um, oh. I got him in the cargo hold. Oh, good idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're flying across together. Okay. Well, it would seem sensible, seeing as we've got to both be in the same time at the same place. Yeah, it makes sense, absolutely. So, anyway. Well. Oh, that was scary. Oh, joining us now is... Us, by the sound of it. Yeah, I know. A little echo echo there. Anyway, joining ourselves. Joining us now is someone I've known for... A long, long time. I was, I was surprised how many years it has been. Welcome to St. Jan. <laughs> no, he is the uh, keeper of the light. He is the historian and the chairman of the American Lighthouse Foundation. He is Jeremy Dontremont. Hey, Jeremy, how are you? Hey, doing? Good. How, how are you I... doing, guys? Are you hearing me okay? That's Steve. Yep, it is Jeremy. Good here? evening. Yeah. Uh, good uh, afternoon here in New Hampshire. Hi, hi. I hope you're hearing me okay. I'm I'm mostly hearing you okay. It's uh, not the greatest connection I've ever had, but I can I can hear you. Yeah, it seems like be a little delay. I think uh, at times, so just have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyways, Jeremy. Uh, I was thinking about that. I've known you for a long, long time now, a lot longer than I, I thought I did. Uh, my, my condolences, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, well, it's been, what, at least uh, 60 or 70 years it's got to be at least? Oh, yeah, probably. Anyway, you're did not you that old, though. 60 or 70 years? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we knew each other the past life, Steve. You, you know what that's like, right? Uh, I haven't had a past life yet. That you know of. Not that I know of. Not that I can recall. <laughs> anyway, so uh, 
Jeremy is, as I mentioned, the chairman of the American Lighthouse Foundation, and also uh, he is a, a prolific author on lighthouses. And he, how many books is it now, uh, Jeremy? Uh, depends on how you count them, but I'm going to go with 21. Oh, my God. 21 books. <sighs> Steve, yeah. how many you got? Uh, uh, certainly nothing like 21. God bless. If you put well, ours together, we don't even come close to it. <laughs> well, some of them might fall more into the category of booklets. Yeah. You know, like I said, it depends on how you count them. And we're not out to... It's not a competition. Uh, also, <laughs> whoops, let me... Uh, sorry about that. Let me. I'm quitting an application here. that's making noises there. I got rid of that. Um, so... Uh, uh, you know, uh, also, I did a book on eight lighthouses that went out of print, and then the publisher decided to uh, put it back out as four regional books. So do I count? It's out in the world as five different books. So count that as one book or four books or five books? And I'll like give you I said, five. It's out in the world as five books. Sure. Okay, then you're right. So, yeah, so I counted as five. That makes 21. So there you go. There you go. There you go. So, I mean... When you what came first, the lighthouses or writing? Uh, as far as uh, be, being a published author, um, the uh, well, I you know I, I got hooked on lighthouses back in the nineteen eighties. It didn't uh, I didn't become a published author until the early two thousands. I start, well I started writing articles. I had articles published in the late nineties. Uh, and then my first books were in the early 2000s. Um, so it went from being, uh, lighthouses went from being a hobby to being a, a, a paid career about 20 years ago. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but. It, it does. It does. And I always said that you're like one of the wickedest, smartest guys I know, because if there's anything about lighthouses, you know it. And, uh, I, I always, I always, uh, get a kick out of uh, you because somebody will come up with a, an article or something and they'll, they'll yank it off the internet or something and it, it won't be quite right and, and it, I can see that it irritates you and, and I totally understand that because you're a very factual person well you know nobody's perfect and I hate it when I find something in my own writing that's wrong because, <laughs> you know, I know so that we've way. all got We've all gone through that. I mean, you know, nobody's perfect. So, uh, you know, that's the nice thing about a website. I have a website, NewEnglandLighthouses.net, and the nice thing about uh, a website is that it can, you can easily get on there and make corrections and updates. Uh, you can't do that with a book very easily. But I am in the process of updating my best-selling book, which is uh, The Lighthouse Handbook, New England. There'll be a new edition, the fourth edition, out next year. So I'm oh, currently wow. working on it. Yeah, I'm working on an update to that. So that's nice to have the chance to do that because mm -hmm. often once a book gets out there in the world, that's it, you know, and you can't do anything mm -hmm. uh, to change it or update it. So it's, it's always nice to have the uh, opportunity to do that when you can. But. And that's the one thing I like about you, Jeremy, is because you're always uh, re researching, you're always uh you know, learning new things. And and you and I have been doing haunted tours for the Friends of Portsmouth Lighthouse for years now. Uh, and when we first started doing it, we would talk about the explosion there and uh, how they were all 
men or boys that were killed in it. And, uh, and then uh, I think a couple of years into it, you came across some facts that there, there was a woman on the wall who uh, was seen and then disappeared after the explosion. Right. That's uh, at Fort Constitution, which is next to Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse in Newcastle, mm-hmm. New Hampshire. And uh, yeah, there was an explosion in, on the 4th of July in 1809 that killed eight people instantly and a couple more died from their wounds. But, uh, yeah, I, I came across uh, an article or uh, a couple of articles that mentioned that there was a woman uh, who was seen on the wall near the where the explosion happened, seen, you know, moments before the explosion happened, and nobody seemed to know who she was, but she was never seen again after the explosion. Mm-hmm. They found uh, fragments of her clothing after the explosion. And uh, maybe she was blown into the water. It happened right near the Piscataqua River. Uh, but anyway, she was never seen again, so one would assume that she died in the explosion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, she's she's not mentioned in most of the accounts of the explosion, but, uh, you know, she certainly seems to have died. So, uh, you know, there's a, in a lot of the uh, the accounts of uh, supernatural or whatever you want to call it, and I don't know if supernatural is a good word, but, Paranormal. you know, in the accounts... Of, Paranormal is a good, probably a better word. Um, yeah, well, accounts, you know, people, what stuff people have experienced there. There's a lot of accounts of a, a woman who's seen, you know, possibly walking along the wall and stuff like that in that area. And you know, the the fact that the, that a woman apparently died in that explosion may, you know, we don't know for sure, but may may right. account for some of those experiences. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's it's absolutely, and Steve will attest to that. It's almost impossible to prove that. Uh, an apparition that is seen is a particular person in history. Uh, do you right. agree, Steve? Uh, I, there, I mean, there are lots of apparitions that have given attribution to, of course, but yeah, the, the you know that's mostly based upon supposition and guesswork. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a handful of apparitions that are probably more closely researched uh, and could be suggestive of a link but uh, i mean you you both know my thoughts about uh fort constitution it's one of my favorite locations and a place i've visited several times now fortunately with with both of you mm-hmm. uh and it's a place i i really do enjoy going back to um particular favorite part of uh, those events for me is whilst you know that sort of hour or so uh, before the public arrive uh, just being able to wander around and uh, just take in the atmosphere and hope, fingers crossed, that perhaps the lady will appear. Or, But what's yeah. most fascinating about, about Fort Constitution is actually the, listening to the accounts of the Coast Guard staff, uh, the Coast Guard officers and their uh, ratings, um, because there are so many of them can come up and relate their own experiences. Um and it, it's you could say that they're uh, they're unlikely to be making stuff up. I mean, they are human beings, and they probably play as many pranks on everybody as they. But there is a consistency about the the the, uh, the stories that's that I find quite intriguing. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, I mean, you you when you called us in, I mean, it was was based on these reports you were getting way before you you even knew me. I think. 
Yeah, well, I I, uh, I started the the Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse group back in 2001, and and uh, the very first thing I was ever told was uh, by a woman who was working in what used to be the lighthouse keeper's house, uh, which is just inside uh, the outer wall of Fort Constitution. It's a, a couple hundred feet from the lighthouse, and she was she would be working on the first floor of the house there, and she told me that. This happened to her a number of times that she would hear footsteps going back and forth above her on the second floor, and there was nobody there. And, you know, she would double-check, and there was definitely nobody there. And she was she was a little shaken up by that. So that was the very first thing I heard there. And over the years, I heard that from a couple other people as well. So, uh, you know, I thought that was interesting. And then as the, the next few years went by, I heard uh, stories from uh, the, uh, the chief of the station, uh, one of the uh, – the guy who was in charge for a couple of years there, he he told me a number of stories that he sort of collected from uh, the the personnel there about, um, you know, the the people on watch. They'd be on watch in the tower, uh, the lookout tower at the station. They would hear footsteps coming up the stairs at two or three a.m. Uh, and one of the the guys on on uh, sort of patrol late at night, like around midnight, was walking around and he saw a figure. Uh, I was thinking, you know, Ron, I'm, 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 here I am correcting myself, the, like we're talking about. Uh, I hate it when I, I find that I, I made a mistake. And I, I think in our haunted tours, I've been making a mistake when I tell one of the stories. I always say that this guy was doing the rounds and he saw a figure standing in front of the keeper's house. But I think yeah, it was actually you, I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard, heard that. Heard that for, yeah, hundred times. hundred times. But in the Ghost Hunters show that I was in, which was just rerun last week on national TV, uh, I heard myself tell the story much closer to when I was first, it was for when it was first told to me. So I think I had it accurate, you know, told it accurately back then. Uh, this, the story as it was first told to me was that this guy was walking around close to midnight. This Coast Guard guy was making the rounds around midnight, and he saw a figure standing in front of the powder magazine uh, inside the fort, I believe, actually. And uh, so not in front of the keeper's house, but actually in front of the powder magazine. Uh, that's interesting started... because – sorry, Jeremy. Yeah. That's interesting because when I was in um, on my – I think my last visit – no, uh, yeah, the last visit we did and we spent time um, – in the, the the keeper's house, the coast guard um, I don't know what he was uh, ranking wise, but the coast guard uh, staff member who was looking after his officer, I think he was, actually uh, related the same story about the figure, and he specifically mentioned the powder magazine. Okay, well that's interesting. So I think I had it wrong uh, as I've been telling it in recent years, but. Um, yeah, I think it was actually in front of the powder magazine and he saw, so he saw a figure and he started to say something about, you know, who are you, what are you doing or whatever. And it just disappeared. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that, well, that's, that was one of the that's actually better for us. So it works out better because it gives us not a little stir and, and we know that even during our tours, we've had some instances happen at that powder magazine. So, uh, that's the thing I like about it when you have a certain area and you seem to be get certain results from it. It's it's that's the intriguing part to me anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so those yeah, those stories uh, kind of kind of mounted and also the stories about, you know, them seeing a woman walking along the wall, uh, different parts of the wall, I think, along in within the fort area. 
and also closer to the Coast Guard, uh, main Coast Guard building along the, the seawall. And yep. sometimes it was told to us that they would see it, uh, see this woman just on their monitors, on their, uh, you know, uh, their equipment, uh, that they yeah, yeah, monitor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And not see, well, not see it with their naked, naked eye. Mm-hmm. When you had your, uh, did you have any sense of the, uh, the gender of the, of the figure that you saw when you were up at the, uh, ranging lookout? Who? You. Would Me? You? Yeah, it's a woman. Sorry. It was a woman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, just thought check. I just couldn't recall yeah. then. Yeah, um, we we, we mentioned I mean, we mentioned that on every tour. And speaking about that, we we have the last tour of the season this Saturday, uh, and I guess it's all sold out, Jeremy. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So you see, I, I I like the way you guys get this done before I just before I get over there every year. So denying me another opportunity of getting into Fort Constitution. <laughs> I think it's deliberate. Could be. Could be. <laughs> well, you've been in there a couple of times. Stop your whining. Yeah, you've been in there. Yeah, you know how much I like it. It's it's mm-hmm. it, you know it's a very cool location. I mean, it, it, it's it's a, a good example of our shared history as well because it was originally, of course, Fort William and Mary, um, and um, among other things. Among other things, but it, I mean, there's that fascinating uh, story about its history, where the uh, the the roguish American traitors, uh, colonial uh-huh. traitors, um, stormed uh, William and Mary, and then made off with the the guns, and then used them against uh, against the British troops later on during the early days of yeah. the revolution. Yeah, just, there's a moral there. Don't piss us off. Well, you were co- I, just a second here. At that time, you were still British subjects. That's right. That was an act of uh, treason. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Yeah. Get, o- get over it. Yeah. Well, I mean, what would the Trump we say did. now? We did. Yeah. Look where it got you. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, to change the subject a little bit, I'm speaking in a town in New Hampshire about lighthouses in a couple of weeks or a few weeks called a town called Francistown. And somebody mm-hmm. just emailed me and reminded me that Francistown is named for Francis Wentworth, who was the wife of the colonial governor the, who, have, who fled Newcastle at the time of the, uh, the, uh, the, re- the when the revolution was heating up. Right at the time of that raid uh, that you were just talking about, when uh, the uh, the local militia stormed the fort, John Wentworth was the colonial governor, and he fled to Canada with his wife Francis. Uh, mm-hmm. And Francistown, where I'm going to speak, was named for the the governor's wife. And this woman emailed me and said, "I hope you know that, and I hope you're going to talk about that when you come to our town and and uh, speak in a, in a few weeks." So, I guess anyway, you better uh, not. I, I guess, <laughs> guess I better. better so, I was just um, wondering. I mean, I I know you of your fascination and uh, love of lighthouses does that extend to uh, is that specific to the american lighthouses or do you have an interest in lighthouses further afield he was he was in uh, the uk which are in uh, uh two years ago i did a, a tour with the u.s lighthouse society the u.s lighthouse society does tours all over the world and uh-huh. uh i took I took a tour with them of uh, the southeast coast of Scotland and down the east coast of England two years ago, a three-week tour where we went and saw over 60 lighthouses, 
went to some islands off of the Edinburgh, Scotland area. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, so the, the answer to your question is I am fascinated by lighthouses everywhere. I have, because I can't, uh, you know, I don't have the time to get deeply into researching the history of every lighthouse in the world. I have specialized in the lighthouses of New England mostly and the lighthouses of the United States. It's kind of as a secondary, you know, part of my career, but, um, I am interested in the lighthouses everywhere, to answer your question. Uh-huh. Uh, All right. And the lighthouses, I, I think, the lighthouses of the U.K. are fantastic. Um, well, I, th- I and think you I were mentioned... Way- yeah. I think I mentioned when I, when I last saw you that um, where I live on the west coast of Wales, uh, we're v- uh, one of our main lighthouses nearby um, is, is the notorious Smalls Lighthouse. Um, which gave rise to the requirement for having three keepers on duty at all times after the horrific incident where one of the in, – in the days when he was double-manned, one of them died and uh, the other keepers, fearing that he would be blamed, uh, retained the body by hanging it outside in a, in a sack – um, but then the weather broke uh, and they were trapped – him and the body – were trapped on the light for um, a, a, an extended period of time. Uh, of course, this de- decomposing body and rotting sack. Uh, the body <laughs> broke free and started banging against the window in the in the wind and drove the poor man mad. And then from that day, the Trinity House um, always, uh, up until automation, uh, always had a ruling that there would be three keepers on duty at any one time in a in a manned lighthouse, an offshore manned lighthouse. Uh-huh. Um, we're also uh, I, I often boast, uh, especially when I see Ron, about um, we we're also home to the world's smallest lighthouse um, here in in West Wales, uh, the Trinity House, who are the uh, overseeing body, and in fact they don't even make any uh, any real publicity about this. Uh, on the end of um, Tenby Harbour is an old lamp standard, an old cast iron lamp standard, and in it is a bulb, a red, a red bulb, which marks the end of um, the harbour, the, the old stone jetty. But Trinity House are responsible for maintaining the light. Therefore, it is officially a lighthouse. So this lamp standard, this eight eight. Uh, 18-foot tall cast iron lamp standard is officially the world's smallest lighthouse, okay. which is pretty cool. <laughs> well, it's one to see when you do your day. next trip over. Well, when you do your next trip over, we can – and, of course, just over uh, on the other side of the Irish Sea, about 30 miles in a straight line, is the world's oldest uh, operational lighthouse at Hawkhead, uh, which has been continually operating for 800 years. Is that the one the Romans built? Well, uh, no, it was built uh, 800 years ago by the uh, uh, Earl of Pembroke. There, there's, uh, there's a lighthouse in the UK that the Romans built. Uh, there in is Dover. Uh, down at uh, Dover. There's also one at Pevensey. Um, but they, they haven't been – I don't think they're – that the, the building exists, but it's not an operational lighthouse. Oh, this right. at Hookhead, at Hookhead Lighthouse, it – it yeah. still has the light, and it's still been fully – it's been operational for – continuously for 800 years. Correct, yeah. I did a, a segment on my uh, podcast about the Hookhead Lighthouse not too long ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. And directly opposite, of course, at Crook Point. Yeah, um, by hook or by crook. 
That's right. That's how you navigate into the Slane, the, into the River Slane, um, by hook or by crook, depending whether you're coming from the east or the west. And, uh, you know, there's so many fascinating stories about lighthouses and, and hauntings and and just stories in themselves about, you know, the, the lighthouse keepers. And some of them are, are based on, on actual uh, facts, while others seem to have developed a life of their own. Uh, do you find that in, in many cases, uh, Jeremy? Oh, sure. Um, I got to tell you something. I, earlier today, I uh, conducted an interview uh, for my podcast with Sally Snowman, who is the uh, only official lighthouse keeper in the United States today. She's the keeper at Boston Light, uh, America's uh, oldest light station, over 300 years old. Uh, and uh, we talked a little bit about ghost stories at Boston Light, uh, mm-hmm. and she actually she actually told me a story that I had never heard before. Would you like to hear it? Yes. <laughs> okay, I thought you might say that. Uh, yeah, um, there's a lot of lot of stories, a lot of ghost stories there. But um, she told me this one that I'd never heard before. She said that somebody uh, told her, somebody who spent a lot, a lot of a lot of time there, told her that one time they were walking the the paths on the island, and Boston Light is on Little Brewster Island in outer Boston Harbor. It's a, it's only like two acres. It's a really small island. Uh, and they're, so they're walking the paths on the island, and all of a sudden, right near them, they were very aware that they thought that somebody was running, like jogging or running near them. Uh, and they heard sneakers, like running alongside them, and they were sure that somebody was running. And they looked and, and still heard this, this running near them, but, but looked where the running was coming from, there was nobody there. But they saw what looked like a white T-shirt going, like running, moving along near them in the air, and continued to hear this, the footsteps like sneakers going along, and saw this white T-shirt moving alongside them, and then it just kind of disappeared. So they saw this for a while and heard these footsteps, and then the, the whole thing was just gone. And they went into the house where there were a few other people, the keeper's house there. And when they, this person sat down, the other people said to him, uh, you look like you saw, saw a ghost. And they said, well, I think I did. And they described it. And Sally's feeling was that, you know, there have been, uh, over the years, if you count all the Coast Guard light keepers, I mean, you had civilian light keepers from 1716 to 1930 to 1941 at Boston Light. And after that, you had, uh, you know, two or three Coast Guard keepers out there at a time. Uh, so you, you had dozens of Coast Guard keepers out there. Uh, and many, especially in the Coast Guard era, a lot of those guys would jog around the island for exercise. And Sally's feeling is, is, is that this, whatever this person experienced, it's not necessarily somebody who died. Sally's feeling is that it, it could be just energy sort of left behind by somebody who jogged laps around the island many times. Very so well could be. That, that's her feeling. Yeah. Um, Anyways, so uh, I, yeah. we, we have to do our own little jogging right here because we have to take a break. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International uh, with Steve Pass and Ron Kolick, our very special guest, Jeremy Dontremont, right here on Tojanet Empirex Radio, brought to you by the Gallant Messia Family Law Group and Circles of Wisdom in Methuen, Massachusetts. We'll be right back.
Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Deranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parax family. Welcome back to part two of Ghost Chronicles, the international edition, the lighthouse edition, because our special guest tonight is Jeremy Dontremont, the one of the most expert people I know of when it comes to lighthouses. Absolutely. So, Jeremy, uh, you have also undertaken a new uh, project as well, which is a, a podcast. Yes, I have. Thank you for asking. Would you like me to tell us a little bit? Yes, please. Sure. Yes. Well, since you you asked so nicely, I'll tell you about it. Uh, Yeah, it's uh, the podcast is uh, called Light Hearted, and that's two words, light space hearted. And it's the official podcast of the U.S. Lighthouse Society. Uh, People get a little confused. Uh, I am, as you mentioned earlier, I'm the president of the American Lighthouse Foundation, uh, the American Lighthouse Foundation is a large preservation organization based uh, in Maine. Uh, it takes care of 17 lighthouses and all. Uh, but the U.S. Lighthouse Society is a totally separate organization that's based in Washington State. So I'm very involved with both organizations. U.S. Lighthouse Society, based in Washington, has been around since 1984. Uh, and I'm doing a news blog for the U.S. Lighthouse Society, and I'm also doing this podcast uh, so the podcast just started in at the beginning of June, so it's a new thing. I've done 25 episodes now. Wow. Uh, it started out as many as two or three times a week, but lately I've been doing one a week with an occasional special additional episode. Um, and it's uh, generally uh, a half hour long, sometimes a bit longer, 30 to 40 minutes, and usually has one or two interviews in each uh, episode with people in the lighthouse preservation world, usually in this country, but I've had a couple of people from outside the U.S. Uh, in the lighthouse preservation world and authors, uh, authors of lighthouse-related books. Um, actually, the very first episode was uh, an interview with a woman, who, uh, Sophie Blackall, who wrote and illustrated a children's book called Hello Lighthouse that won the Caldecott Medal as the best illustrated children's book of 2018. It's a wonderful book, Hello Lighthouse. So anyway, um, 
you know, people involved in lighthouses in one way or another. Uh, just today I mentioned I did an interview with uh, Sally Snowman, who's the only official lighthouse keeper in the United States, and that'll be in an, income, an, an upcoming uh, episode. Um, so, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff related to lighthouses. And also there's usually uh, history segments where we tell interesting stories of lighthouse history, uh, dramatic stories, uh, you know, stories that I think listeners will find interesting. Uh, we've had trivia contests as well and other things to kind of spice things up. So I usually cool. have a co-host uh, to help, uh, you know, break it up so people don't get too sick of my voice as well. So uh, people can listen uh, using Apple Podcasts uh, and other apps, you know, that people use to listen to, to podcasts. Um Spotify, uh, different, you know, whatever they use on Androids to listen to Android, de- Android devices to listen to podcasts. Also on the USLHS, uh, US Lighthouse Society website, they can go to that. They can find it on there as well. And there's always a post with each, uh, each edition of the podcast, a, po- a post that tells some background with some pictures that relate to the podcast as well. There, uh, the, the new, uh, episodes are posted on Mondays. Uh, so every Monday there's a new, new episode um so uh any questions (laughs) no that sounds really cool actually i'll have to you know check it out so but i wanted to uh talk about different lighthouses uh and one of the the one that always intrigued me and it's the most dangerous lighthouse in the world actually uh it's on the island of ilha da comita grande which is uh, off the coast of – yeah, I know. it. <laughs> you think that was even close to what I what it's supposed to be? I doubt it. Anyways, it's off I, the coast of – go ahead. Sorry, I, I, I'm not sure uh, what lighthouse you're talking about. Is, is What country are we talking about? It's off the coast of Brazil. It is uh, also known as Snake Island, and uh, the there is – 2,000 to 4,000 landshead uh, snakes on the island, uh, basically mm-hmm. one per square foot. And they are totally uh, ah. venomous to humans. One bite and you can die within an hour. Uh, there was a lighthouse there. Supposedly the lighthouse uh, family was uh, killed by the uh, – the keeper and his family were killed by uh, – the vipers that came in through the windows, uh, there were even people there at one time uh, back in the 20s, but uh, now it is uh, totally run over by these, uh, overrun by these snakes. The uh, Brazilian Navy goes in every so often to check on the light, but uh, that's it, and to make sure nobody goes near there. Hell of a it's job I, to change your bulb. Yeah, What's that this your- is uh, kind of- it's coming back to me. I have read a little bit about this, but boy, what, I should do something on the podcast about this. What a, what a story. Oh, I'll uh, send you a, a link to it if you'd like. Well, I just, I'm sitting here and I just Googled it and I found a story about it. Uh, oh, so, okay, cool. Uh, yeah. There's a big picture, a picture of uh, one of those snakes. Yeah, I think Yikes. you. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's intriguing. I mean, they built it there, and evidently at one time the snakes weren't that bad, but uh, they're overrun now. Uh, the article I I, uh, I read, which is, is kind of interesting, is that they said that 
the, the legend is that the pirates brought the snakes to the island to protect their buried treasure. <laughs> I think that's so funny. And uh, it's overrun. So I wonder if anybody's going to go treasure hunting there. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's there'll it's, always be one that'll try. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, I've known that. I've I brought it up. I, I talked about it on uh, my own podcast uh, several times. Uh, the, the Ghost Chronicle one. Is, uh, um, mm-hmm. I know the next generation, but it's always fascinated me. It's like how, how dangerous it is, and I mean, can you imagine being like? A shipwrecked or something, you get wrecked and you go on this island. You like, <laughs> you think you're saved and you're like, oh, you're screwed. <laughs> well, that's a it's a horror movie waiting to be made. That's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. That's yeah. I'm surprised nobody uh, has it. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. But by the way, speaking of uh, lighthouses on islands, I'm uh, working on. I'm hoping to uh, do a, a, an interview with uh, somebody about the uh, lighthouse in Hope Town in the Bahamas. Uh, the uh, uh, Elbow Reef Lighthouse. It's uh, kind of one of the icons of the Bahamas. It's a tall uh, brick lighthouse with red and white stripes. And mm-hmm. it survived Hurricane Dorian intact, but everything around it is flattened, basically. Uh, but the, I'm not quite sure if the lighthouse is operating at this point, but it's, it's considered the last kerosene-fueled operating, manually operated lighthouse in the world. Oh, wow. Uh, and yeah, it has a resident keeper who has to wind the – it's got a first-order, meaning the largest size lens that they made, first-order Fresnel lens, beautiful giant glass lens, uh, still operated manually. It had to be has to be wound every two hours by the keeper overnight. Uh, the mechanism that rotates the lens has to be wound every two hours. So the lighthouse is intact, but if you look, I've seen a picture with everything around it just totally destroyed by the hurricane. So I'm working on uh, lining up an interview. I'm hoping to do something on my my podcast about that. So I just thought I'd mention that. Would that would be awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's that's yeah. Uh, old school, huh? Yeah, Light, yeah, yeah, old school. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I I do want to mention one other one other thing too because if you would like to buy a lighthouse, you can actually buy one if you. Bid quickly. There's only six hours and 47 minutes left for Poe Reef Lighthouse, which is huh. in uh, Sheboygan, Michigan. And uh, uh-huh. current bid is uh, $79,000. So, Wow. Only $79,000? That's where the bidding is right now? Uh, that, yep. There current was one for sale um, here. Uh, the Strumble Head Lighthouse was for sale a few years ago. It went for... Uh, but they they changed the light uh, platform to they built a, a big rectangular observation. Uh, in fact, well they didn't, but it was done by the Coast Guard earlier. Uh, that went for one point two million. Wow. But it's a hell of a location. What they did was uh, that when the light was replaced with um, with the St Anne's light, uh, the Coast Guard took over it as a, a as a Coast Guard lookout. Um, I think around world war ii and so where the light platform would have been um i think that's the right word for it is they they there is that there was a an extended rectangular building basically sat atop the light tower um which was then used as a coast guard uh, watch and lookout point so you can imagine the panoramic views that you get from there mm-hmm. um and that was then that's been converted into a home 
um, about 15, 20 years ago, and then I think it sold for 1.3, 1.5 million. It's, is this the person we had on our show a while ago? Or is this uh, another one? No, it's a... It was somebody who owned, lived in a white lighthouse. Oh, no, that was, uh, that was, uh, that's the Usk Lighthouse. Oh, sorry. About uh, that. In South Wales. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they uh, they were guests on our show. They have the, which they've turned into um, a, like a sort of holiday retreat. And there are several other examples uh, up on the River Mersey. The uh, Perch Rock Light uh, was bought by a developer. Oh gosh, uh, twenty thirty years ago, uh, with plans to turn it into a honeymoon suite. And it was it was quite popular for a few uh, for a few short months. Um, but then I think the novelty wore off because obviously you're trapped on the on the thing once the tide comes in. Yeah. And there, there are several others around the UK that have been bought, by, um, you know, as um, sort of uh, holiday or, or or indeed, you know, uh, as homes. Jeremy can attest to this. There are quite a few in the US where they you can actually uh, rent rooms in yeah. and and. Uh, I know that uh, Rose Island is one, and uh, there's one, and I believe it's, I forget the name of it, Jeremy, in uh, Newburyport, where you can actually have dinner at the top of the lake. Yeah, that's true. This is the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, Newburyport Rear Range Lighthouse. It's not an active lighthouse anymore, so there's no light in the way when you go to the top. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. There's there's quite a few lighthouses where you can spend the night. Actually, uh, one that was a B and B for years is the Isle Isle Ho. It's spelled I S L E space A U space H A U T, but they pronounce it Isle Ho well, up in Mid Coast Maine. Uh, and uh, the Keeper's House was a B and B, but it's for sale right now for about two million dollars. Uh, wow. Not the lighthouse. The, li- the lighthouse is owned by the town of Ilaho, so just the keeper's house is for sale. It's really, really beautiful. Most of the island is part be, of Acadia. Million. <laughs> yeah, most of the island is part of Acadia National Park, so that is currently for sale. Uh, well, it's and, not, I mean, it's uh, not surprising that people do yeah. because lighthouses with modern automated navigation systems, there are quite a number here in the UK that have closed in recent years. Although we do have, you know many many other lighthouses that are still operational uh, but they are built in some fantastically scenic locations and it's it's hardly surprising that that uh, they can get repurposed and as you said with the bahamas one um you know they are very stoutly and strongly built so it's a good return on your investment it's not going to fall down mm-hmm. yeah um but uh, it's interesting, uh, just talking to Sally today from Boston Light, uh, you know, Boston, the, the pier at Boston Light was uh, basically destroyed a couple of years ago. So there were public tours at Boston Light, uh, but there haven't been the last two years. And it's up in the air as to whether there will be in the future or not. And basically all lighthouses around the world are facing the same issues these days with rising sea levels and, you know, storms that seem to be getting worse and worse. So it's it's a uh, it's a challenge, you know. We're, we're, we'll see what happens, but um, you know, uh, it's uh, it's kind of scary uh, as far as the, the future we're facing with these with these structures. You know, it's not gonna oh, yeah. it's not gonna get it's not gonna get any easier. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny, Jeremy. Is is I was on that on the on the GSA site looking at the lighthouses, and there's another <laughs> one, Sand Key Lighthouse, which is in Florida. 
And the yeah. lighthouse itself is just basically a metal structure, and it has a, a, a top on it, of course, a, a light, but uh, it's, you know, it's an all-open metal structure. And it's not even a dwelling because uh, it, it was burned in the uh, yeah. 1890 thing. But the, the bid on it is $24,000. Yeah, the um, there's a there's an organization in Florida, the Florida, uh, oh, what's it called? I'm trying to think of the, the proper name, the Florida Keys Reef Lights Association, or something to that effect. Um, I actually interviewed the the president of the organization on my podcast, but they are trying to buy the San Key Lighthouse. Uh, they're t- taking donations to try to buy it. Um, yeah, $24,000 doesn't seem like much, but it's in really rough shape. And as you said, the dwelling is gone because it burned. Um, so uh, that is one of the uh, so-called Florida reef lights that were built around Florida, out, uh, you know, obviously out on the reefs. And they're very, very difficult to access. And they're going to, they're taking more and more of a beating as the sea level rises. So it's going to be a huge challenge for if a nonprofit takes them on to, you know, to to preserve them. It's going to be really, really tough, really tough. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. So I, I'm, I'm hoping that you can give me some information on this. But uh, the lighthouse that uh, was bought off of, uh, was it eight, six or eight miles out uh, off of me? Which one is that, Jeremy? I, the name eludes me right now. Six or eight miles off off where? Off Maine. Where? The one that's way out in the water. What's the name of it? You talking about Boone Island? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, Boone Island Lighthouse. Thank you. I, I couldn't think of the name right then. Uh, <coughs> anything happening with that? Uh, well, it was uh, the guy who bought it at auction a few years ago sold it to uh, Bobby Sager, S-A-G-E-R, who also owns Minot's Ledge Light, which is super famous. And he oh, yeah. also owns a lighthouse. Also owns a lighthouse in Michigan. And I, I met with Bobby Sager a couple of years ago at his home in Boston. And uh, he's buddies with Sting, the singer. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Bobby Sager is a great photographer, and he took the uh, photos uh, that were used as a, the backdrop for a concert tour by Sting a couple of years ago. Uh, photos sure. of like starving children in third world countries. Anyway. Uh, Bobby told me that he plans to rebuild the keeper's house of Boone Island. And wow. if you, if any, anybody who's familiar with Boone Island knows it's a little a pile of rocks eight miles out in the ocean uh, off the coast of southern Maine. And what happened was uh, some of the buildings were already gone, but the, a couple of Coast Guard keepers were living in a keeper's house. Uh, in the uh, When the blizzard of 1978 hit, February 1978, and these two young Coast Guard keepers had to go up in the lighthouse because the house was flooded, and they were rescued by helicopter on the second day of the storm. And then because the house was so badly damaged, the Coast Guard destroyed what was left of the house because they didn't want to maintain it anymore. They actually set fire to it, destroyed it. So that's why there's no house house there. So, uh, you know, again, the sea level is rising. Uh, there's worse storms than there used to be. And, you know, Bobby Sager could easily spend a couple of million dollars rebuilding that house. And, you know, I think it's going to be, I'm afraid it's going to be a losing battle if he does that. But that was like two years ago that I, he told me that nothing has happened yet. So, um, you know, um, I wish him luck. I really do. I'd love to see him pull that off. Yeah, I'd really love to see that. But we'll we'll see what happens. It's 
the, the, the interesting thing, and you talked about this a little bit when you talked about the Bahamian, a Bahamian, uh, however you say it, lighthouse, is that, Bahamian. you know, yeah, that works. Anyways, they don't build them like they used to. It was, it was very true with them because those things were built solid. I mean, uh, you know, they took a beating. And, you know, we have we have uh, pictures at, at, at uh, Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse with the water going right over whale back. And, and, of course, there's the famous one from France, too. I mean, it's, these things were, were built to, to take about anything. Yeah, the the ta- some of the towers, the stone, especially the the so-called wave swept, are in the UK. As sort of Steve knows, they they often call them rock lighthouses in the UK, like mm-hmm. Eddie, Eddie Stone and Bell Rock, and and uh, some of the others. The Smalls is a is a rock lighthouse. Um, you know, yeah, they're built with uh, dovetailed granite blocks interlocked together. They're built to to last through anything, basically. But some of these keepers' houses on built on islands were not built as well as that, um, so they right. haven't they haven't sur- survived. Um, but um, anyway, getting back to ghost stories, Boone Island certainly has some of those, <laughs> which I've been oh, told yeah. firsthand. Oh yeah, you want to get back to ghost stories? <laughs> yeah, we have time. You want to share them? Yes, please. Sure. I uh, I once uh, talked to. Um, one of the, the former Coast Guard keepers that had, I've, I've talked to a couple of Coast Guard keepers who, who felt the place was haunted, uh, who lived at Boone Island. Um, <clears throat> uh, one, one guy named Bob Roberts who lived there in the early seventies, he told me when he first went out there, this other Coast Guard guy said, said to him, uh, you believe in ghosts, right? And he laughed. He thought that was hilarious. And the other guy said, you're, you're not going to be laughing for long after you live here for a while. And he told me he definitely came to believe it was haunted. And just to back up a little bit, bit, um, Boone Island has one of the most famous shipwreck stories in American history, the wreck of the Nottingham Galley in December 1710. And you guys might know about that. Uh, It was the subject of a best-selling novel, Boone Island, from the 1950s by Kenneth Roberts. And... I don't want to go into great detail about that, but, uh, the Nottingham Galley was a ship from England, uh, that was carrying rope and cheese and other goods from England and Ireland, uh, coming to Boston. Captain John Dean and, uh, there were, there were, uh, 14 men on the ship altogether. They, uh, came over a little bit north of where they were aiming for and they were coming down the main coast in the wee hours of the morning and ran into a sleet storm and were wrecked at Boone Island, uh, you know, eight miles off the main coast. Uh, it was like something like 2 a.m. The ship was a complete loss, but all the men managed to get onto the island, uh, so nobody died in the wreck. But here they are, uh, 14 men on this island, uh, with no shelter and no food in December. And no way to get to the mainland. And, uh, they basically, uh, 10 of the men survived about a month on the island. Uh, two of them tried to get to, uh, the mainland. They, they managed to scrounge a little bit of wood and made a makeshift raft. But those two men died trying to get to the mainland. Two others died on the island. The ones who survived survived largely because they resorted to extreme measures to survive. Uh, you probably get my drift. Cannibalism. So anyway, yeah. 
So um, it's a very, very famous story, and again, it was made into a novel, and there's a more recent nonfiction book about what really happened. So anyway, so all the Coast Guard guys who would go to be keepers at Boone Island always heard about this story. They were told about it right away, what, what happened there, the shipwreck. It was really, really famous. So when Bob Roberts first got there in the early 70s, they told him about it. And uh, he said when he would go out at night to tend the fog signal, he always felt that somebody was watching him. And the other Coast Guard guys would tell him, well, that's where the cannibalism took place. <laughs> but he felt, real, he felt really strongly that somebody was watching him when he would go out there at night. And he said that one afternoon he and this other Coast Guard guy went out fishing in the afternoon in the station boat. And they realized that they went farther than they should have from the island, and they started hurrying back to light the light at sunset. So they're rushing as fast as they could to get back. And as they're coming close to the island, uh, it's getting dark, and the light came on in the lighthouse. And they landed, and they looked at, went to go see who lit the light, and there's nobody there. And they never found anybody there. They never found out who lit the light that night. There was nobody there, so... You know, he figured it had to be the ghost. So, but anyway, he, he was sure the place was haunted. And uh, one of the other Coast Guard guys told me that the, the dog they had on the island would, would run around and would act like it saw something and was chasing something all the time that nobody else could see. But he, he felt very strongly that there was some kind of presence there as well. So, anyway, uh, if any place should be haunted, it's that place. It sure, sure looks like it should be haunted. Yeah, I know. I mean, we hear a lot of stories about lighthouses being haunted, uh, especially, I mean, you have done a lot of research, so you, you come across them all the time. Do you think that's because the, the lighthouse keepers were so dedicated to their work? Um, that's one possible explanation, certainly, for, for some of the stories. I mean, uh, you know, certainly at Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse, as you know, Ron, uh, the the there's other there's other things tied in there too that we hear about, but the probably the number one story we we seem to hear is that Joshua Card, the longtime keeper, seems to mm-hmm. be heard and seen seen there. He was there for 35 years until he was 86 years old, and you know, and that seems to be a similar story that that happens at a lot of places where it seems like uh, some of these keepers that were so so devoted to these places that you know, to me, it's not that big a a stretch of the imagination to think that they were so devoted that they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't leave even after death, that they'd be, their spirits would be kind of tied into the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, I don't know. Maybe Steve has an opinion on that, but um, I'm, it just, sure he uh, I'm sure he does. He has opinions on everything, doesn't he? But, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I, I don't know the answers, but it, it, it seems, it, it seems, it feels sort of logical to me that, uh, I mean, I always, one of the things I say to people, like at Portsmouth Harbor Light, when we're giving tours, if people ask me, is the place haunted? I always say, I sort of, uh, I, a way of answering that without committing to anything is I say, well, the spirits of the keepers of the past are here literally or figuratively, whether you believe that they're literally here, you know, that's, you know, that's for you to decide, but their spirits are here one way or another. And they, you know, they inspire us. They're, they're here, uh, in one way or another, you know, you can, you can decide for yourself in what way they're here. If you know what I mean? Excellent. Um, so, and unfortunately that was the, uh, doorbell, which means pizza from the dead is here. 
and we've got to say goodbye. So before you you leave us, uh, Jeremy, can how can people get in touch with you? And, and can you give us like your website and, and where they can listen to your uh, podcast, Lighthearted? Absolutely. Uh, my website is newenglandlighthouses.net. Uh, not .com, but newenglandlighthouses.net. Uh, the podcast is Lighthearted. That's two words, light, space, hearted. Uh, people can get it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere fine podcasts are sold. It's not sold, though. It's free. Um, and, <laughs> or they can go to news news.uslhs.org. Or just go to the, uh, the just Google U.S. Lighthouse Society and go to the U.S. Lighthouse Society website. They'll find it easily enough. But again, the name of the podcast is uh, Lighthearted, uh, and that's I think that's enough <laughs> to, yeah, to tell them. I think that's great. And and your books, your books available uh, on Amazon. Yeah. Um, again, uh, I've got a few books in print right now, but my bestseller, The Lighthouse Handbook, New England, is temporarily out of print, but a new fourth edition will be out in the spring, uh, so people can watch for that. All right, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, interesting as always, uh, intriguing as always, and I look forward to uh, walking around the fort and the lighthouse in the dock with you this Saturday for the haunted tours. <laughs> Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Bye now. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks. Good night. So there's the end of the show, which means we've got to leave, unfortunately. Uh, Till then, I guess. Till next time. Good night. God bless. Next time. Good night. God bless. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good luck. <laughs>